It's hard to be curious when you're attached to an outcome. Your mindset impacts your results. There's a lot of advice on the internet around how to be a better sales professional. But guess what? A lot of the advice is outcome-based. In this episode, Pam and I demystify some of the myths out there around why professionals fail, and we begin to share the real reasons, how to avoid them, in the first episode of this three-part series of Your Mindset Impact. Let's dive in. I'm Pam Evanson. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales, a nonconformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. Good afternoon, Mr. Lappin. What are we talking about today? Wow, that was so professional. I'm impressed. Thank you. You know, Pam, I was just looking up like top 10 reasons why sales professionals fail, things like that. And it was like six different lists that popped up on the first page. And I was actually quite surprised with what I read. All right, Pam, so here's the list of the six most common reasons why sales professionals fail, according to the experts on the internet. Okay. First page, here's the most common six that I saw. Sales professionals fail because they don't listen enough. They fail because they don't ask good quality questions. And quality was defined by questions that lead to the sale. Okay. Figured you'd like that one. Yeah, a lot. Sales professionals fail because they don't spend enough time preparing. They fail because they spend too much time arguing with the prospect. It's an interesting one. I thought that was interesting too. I can't remember the last time I argued with one, but that's okay. Me either. The fifth one was they don't show enough enthusiasm regarding their product or service. (laughs) Another interesting one. And this one you're going to love. They don't ask for the business enough. And then the article goes on to say you should ask for the business two to three times. And at the beginning of the meeting, you should tell the prospect that you're going to ask them for the business as well. Good advice. Let's get into our top 10 things, the top 10 things that are impacted by mindset. I'm ready. I'll list them off. Okay. And in this episode, you and I can cover the first three. How's that? That sounds great. The first one, consistent outreach. So your mindset will impact the consistency in your outreach. Your mindset will impact the quality of your outreach, which, oh, by the way, for our listeners, is what establishes the value and the perceived quality of your brand. Mindset will impact what you listen for. Four, what you learn. Five, the questions that you ask. Six, the time you spend fighting objections from your prospect. Seven, the time you spend chasing your prospect after that last meeting. Eight, your mindset impacts your ability to compartmentalize. Nine, your ability to keep your biases at bay, and we save the best one for last, and we're going to build this toward this, and that is your mindset impacts the level of trust that you build with your prospects and clients. So the first three we're going to talk about today, Pam, are how mindset impacts the consistency in outreach, two, the quality of the outreach, which has a complete impact on the brand, and three, what you listen for. Here we go. All right. So now you got to ask me some questions if we want to flip it up more. I want to flip it up more. All right. 
Okay, so Dan, mindset as it relates to consistent outreach, I'd like to hear your perspective as to why you chose this one as the first one. I thought about a sales professional, right, building their brand and building their business. And one of the first things that we all know, if you've been in sales for any amount of time, is consistent outreach, whether it's networking, putting on events or hosting events or attending events or targeted calls to those businesses that you think you can help. And if you're not consistent in the outreach, you're going to have a very hard, difficult time building any kind of consistency and experiencing any type of success over time as a sales professional. So how do you think we're wired naturally when it comes to that mindset around outreach? I think if most of us are going to be honest, we have moments where we understand how important outreach is. And in those moments, sometimes we understand that it's not personal. It's just part of the process. And we dig in and we'll spend a couple days or a couple weeks putting together some kind of outreach process. But when we don't hit results right away and we feel like we're investing all the time and effort and there's a lot of emotion that goes into it because none of us like risks. After about two, three, or four weeks, a lot of people pull back because they didn't get what you would call any immediate returns, and they get frustrated. I like the immediate gratification piece. I agree when it comes to our mindset without reach, we have to think very differently about what the goal is regarding our outreach. And I think the instant gratification piece is a tough one to work through. Pam, as we talk about consistent outreach, I'll remind the listeners that you and I spent some time talking about this in episode 87. I think it was something titled Three Barriers to High Performance. Okay. You know, when I think of consistent outreach, I don't want to be repetitive here, but the one word that comes to mind is obligation. And I think you and I talked about that. Mindset shifts from, oh, I have to make these calls. If I don't make these calls, I don't have a pipeline. My funnel's low. I need to get some deals in. I'm not making enough money, right? That's a part of mindset that impacts consistent outreach. We talk about moving that from that type of mindset regarding outreach to this other side of mindset, which is it's an obligation. You get to reach out to people. You have an obligation to reach out to people. And as you and I talked about, right, you got 15 years, 20 years, or 25 years of experience in your space. It is an obligation. People need to hear from you. They don't know you exist, and a lot of them might need your services and expertise. And that's the obligation part as a professional. Any ideas on how I begin to train myself to think differently when it comes to that consistent outreach from that lens? Because part of what I think as sales professionals, we don't have a methodology in which we're practicing how to lead with more this mindset versus just telling ourselves a story for a day that says, well, I got to remember, this is my obligation. I've got to do this. People need to hear from me. How do I truly start to believe over time where I automatically go into this mode? What are your thoughts on practicing? What do I do to practice this? I don't know about the automatic part. Maybe it's out there. But I do agree with the self-aware practice part. I think the best thing for our listeners to do is before you start any outreach activity, you have to do a gut check on where your head is. It's not going to happen automatically. As you go to send your emails, before you press send or even before you write them, let me even backtrack, before you write them, where's your head? Are you thinking, I have to send this? 
I hope they like what I have to offer. I need to prove to them in two or three sentences why they should meet with me, right? If your thinking is fundamentally based on that, you're going to come off with what we call that scarcity attached mindset. And you're going to feel all this pressure and you're going to exhaust yourself because five days later or 10 days later, you're going to get depressed or frustrated because you're going to look back and go, nobody's responded yet. So my words for what you just said is, I want to be able to develop a routine. And I think we can look at routine as a very positive word when it comes to outreach. I want to build a routine that's sustainable over time that doesn't allow me to ride these highs and lows regarding outreach. And if I stick to the routine, if I evolve the routine, if I practice the routine, my hope is for our listeners that I agree with what you're saying, Dan, don't know if it's automatic, but it will become more our natural state than not if we can develop a mindset rooted more in a routine. Right. And I think in that routine, in those 10 to 15 minutes prior to your outreach activity, it is self-aware and self-regulate. You have to bring yourself to a mindset that says, I do not control any of the reactions or responses that I receive. Any reaction or response I do receive is not personal. They don't know me as an individual or personally. You have to remind yourself not to make assumptions. Most of the time, right, they talk about how 90% of the assumptions that we make, if not more, never come true anyways. But we spend so much time making assumptions. So you have to remove the tendency to make assumptions on why people aren't getting back to you or maybe how they might respond. And then I think lastly, right, I'm going to go back to it. It's a belief that, hey, there are people out there that need to speak with you. You have an obligation to reach out to them. How and when they respond is up to them. Stop trying to control it. I think that's how you need to spend those 10 to 15 minutes preparing yourself mindset-wise before you engage in outreach activities. I like it. So number two, quality of your outreach, aka your brand. You know, this one's pretty straightforward, especially for those who listen to us often. This is all about the 180 conversations. This is about the emails that we've received and we've used on the show regarding Kermit the Frog. It's the ones that we've used about the chicken sandwich. It's the different ones we've talked about where someone's offering a $50 gift certificate for 15 minutes of time, right? It's all of those examples that have nothing to do with your brand and your expertise, and they have everything to do with more of a gimmick. And so your brand then now takes on the weight or the perception of the gimmick. So if you separate consistent outreach from quality of outreach, how would you then go about practicing how I change the way I think regarding the quality of my outreach? When you look at what you've put down on the email, or maybe what you put down on paper regarding a voicemail script, either or. You have to look at it in terms of whose narrative are you pursuing. When you read the words, are your words telling the recipient that you're actually pushing your narrative on them, or are your words depicting that you're interested in the recipient's narrative? I think that's a really powerful filter to use to better understand is your mindset in the right spot prior to sending the email or prior to leaving the voicemail. I really like the narrative piece. And I think the other piece of this that we talk about a lot is if I am going to communicate with abundance, high intent and detachment, I've got to find my own authentic way to present that. So 
I also feel like for the mindset on this one, the ability to hone and evolve the natural way that I express abundance, high intent, and detachment is important as well. And you know, I love you listeners, but I don't think we practice this piece enough. You know, Dan, I don't know if you remember, but when I first started working for you- Uh-oh, hold on, yep, everybody block your get ears. Get ready. You had me record myself 20 times before I left a voicemail and playing it back and playing it back and playing it back so that I could say, you know what, that doesn't sound like me. I don't like that word. And I found myself a lot of the times in the early stages of Lap and 180 trying to sound like Dan, using his words. You're not on the hook for anything. That's even worse. Yeah, <laughs> right. But they were your words. And so I do feel like with this mindset piece, understanding that making these concepts authentically mine, especially when it comes to your outreach, is imperative. I wish we could spend more time and energy as a sales population perfecting our authenticity. Like you said, though, authenticity can only happen when you are detached from the outcome, when you have that high intent, which means you're focused on the other person's narrative and you have that genuine abundance, which is you realize that whatever happens in that moment, whether it's an email or a voicemail, that moment's not going to define who you are as a person. Yep. If you can get into that mindset, you will be a very genuine and authentic version of yourself. And ironically, as we have experienced, that's when you'll get the responses that you're looking for. So the last piece we're going to speak about today is what you listen for. So number three of the impact mindset has on your business is what you listen for. So Dan, talk to me about your thoughts on this, because I think we could talk about this one a couple of different ways. Yeah, I, I'm very close to this one, and I'll share with the listeners how we use a technology here called Refract. It's not a platform that's LAP 180 specific. The actual company is called Refract AI. And it allows our clients to go in and record their conversations with their prospects. Now, our clients are asking for permission to do that. But what happens is we will sit down with our clients here and we will listen to the actual conversation that they're having with the prospect. And Pam, time and time and time again, I've probably listened to over 100 of them, the number one thing that I would point out to all of these professionals, new and very seasoned, is they're not listening for what they need to hear. They're only listening for what they want to hear. Can you give an example of what that sounds like? If a sales professional is in a conversation and I'm listening to them talk to the prospect, that sales professional is usually pretty well in tune and well-trained on key triggers or pain points that they might hear that tell that sales professional to go. Either ask more questions there or start sharing their solution. All right, you can call them trigger points. That's what that professional wanted to hear. They wanted to hear a pain point. They wanted to hear something specific because of their past experiences and successes that tells them, this is a place I can dive deeper and maybe help build a case for this prospect to want to do business with me. And that is in a prime example of what someone wants to hear. Like an easy one would be almost in any industry would be, hey, we're kind of outgrowing our current provider or our current partner. That is something most sales professionals want to hear. And they will generally leap then to, 
how they would be different. So how do you think our sales population needs to shift their mindset so they are listening for what they need to hear versus what they want to hear? If I give you an example, there's been a lot of times where a prospect might say, hey, we're looking for someone who's a lot more proactive. That may seem like a very neutral statement, but when you're really focused on the narrative of the prospect or client, you hear the word, we want someone more proactive. Well, there's a good chance how your prospect and client defines proactiveness. It might be different than how you define it. So most sales professionals will miss that. Instead of slowing down, because you, know, you have to listen for everything, and asking, well, can you define a little bit? What do you mean by proactive? Can you give me some examples? Most of the time, the sales professional skips right over it. There'll be times where a decision maker, could be an EVP or something, might say, yeah, I've only been into my role now for six months. Most sales professionals skip right over it. Instead of slowing down and really listening and asking, okay, six months, what's the most interesting thing that you've observed over those six months? What's the biggest surprise? What have you learned about your culture? You know, What are the, some of the things that you feel like are strengths? It's a prime opportunity to engage that other person, that other human being, a prospect or client in this case, on their perspective, on how they see things right now unfolding in their world. Again, these things are just missed constantly because people are too keen on or tuned up to look for those triggers, almost robotic, and then when they hit those triggers, the pain points, they go into sell mode, solution mode. And so what I hear you saying is... In order to be able to listen for what you need to hear, give yourself the ability to be curious, go deeper, learn more. Don't try to listen for what you want to hear so that you can stay out of that solve mode. Yeah. And I'll add this to it, Pam. I love the word curious that you used. One of my favorite words. It's hard to be curious when you're attached to an outcome because you hear that pain point. And for you, that pain point is now a trigger that says, go share your solution. Now's the moment. If you share your solution, you'll garner the prospect's interest, you'll probably get a second meeting. And it's all focused on the need to want that outcome, the attachment. And when that happens, curiosity's gone. Yep. Doesn't exist. So for our listeners, right, these are the first three. Mindset absolutely drives your outreach consistency. It drives the quality and the depth of your outreach. And 100%, it drives what you listen for the depth of what you listen for, the integrity of what you listen for. And the mindset we're talking about is moving out of that typical sales mindset of attachment to an outcome or low intent, which is driven toward what you want, or scarcity, which is that need for something to go well, that need for that meeting to go well. You've got to move off of that mindset. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of the podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapham180.com. Go to contact us. You can also engage with us on LinkedIn at Dan Lappin or Lappin180. 